0: Welcome to the Big Kids Book Club, a podcast about all things fictional from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me on the show, we have debut YA author, her brand new book, The Big Bad Me. It's coming out the 3rd of October from Little Island Books. It's Ashley Lachlan. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having
1: me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: It's lovely to have you here, Ashlyn. We were sort of getting to know each other a little bit before the show, but obviously our lovely listeners weren't there for that. So let's get to know you properly. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came into becoming an author, maybe a little bit of your writing journey, some of the highlights from where you were to up to now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started writing very, very young. My dad was a writer. So when I was three onwards, um, I would see him writing stories and sending them off to publishers And in those days it was very different to the kind of way you do it now where you can email 100 agents in one go you shouldn't email 100 agents in one go but you could if you wanted to um he had to you know, print everything out package it send it off in the post so i would always know when he'd gotten a rejection because i'd see the entire giant package come back and um, so from when i was very very little that was my experience of what writers do they write things they send them off they get rejected so i was never scared of that side of things And I just knew that it was what I wanted to do as well. I knew one day my dad being the best writer in the world was going to get a book published. So when I was about 13, I decided I'd try and do that too. Um, Dad had already signed with a publisher at this point, um, like like six months before I signed with my publisher. He signed with his, I think. Um, So he wouldn't let me submit to his publisher because he wanted me to be able to say I'd done it all myself. You know, he didn't want anyone to look at this 13 year old if anything happened and say oh it's because of her dad so he sat me down with the writer in I should see her book and um and the phone and was like okay just start querying ring around because that's what you did in those days is you rang publishers if you did that now you'd probably get a restraining order um and he's like okay just ring around and see if anyone's interested so that's what I did I rang around I sent um my manuscript which was a, a retelling of a fairy tale called Cinderella's fellows. that so was Cinderella from the princess point of view. Um, I sent that off to a few publishers and actually managed to get published, which I wasn't expecting. I kind of thought I was gonna start building up the rejections and get used to it. So in my teens, I had a few books out with that same publisher. And then I went to college and I started writing plays for the Drama Society and sort of gave up on the, the kids books for a while and thought, I, I, you know, I'm an adult. I should be writing for adults now and really didn't love it so I stopped writing altogether for a while um, then I moved to Canada when I was about 28 and I was very very homesick and I got this idea for a little homesick werewolf who was searching for her family which evolved into this story about um about Evie and Kate who are two sisters Evie's a werewolf and Kate is a sort of monster hunter and they're really tied at the hip siblings, best friends, and they have to go off and look for their missing mom. So we moved on a little bit from the homesickness because I was too sad to write about that. Um, but I, I sort of channeled everything I was missing about my siblings into that story. Um, so I wrote Big Bad Me, first of all, when I was 28, and that was just at the peak of the twilight um, bubble. So actually getting it published wasn't gonna happen then because people weren't really looking for werewolves and vampires anymore. So I wrote it, I loved it, it did what it needed to do, which was cheer me up while I was sad. I put it aside until I moved back to Ireland and then it was homesick for Canada. So I dug it back out again (laughs) and they rewrote it because it was all all set in Canada. So I rewrote it Um, and I pulled it apart completely and had a really, really fun time just sort of channeling everything I missed about Canada this time into it. Um, And by the time I was done with that, werewolves and vampires were starting to show up on agent wish-, wish lists again I thought oh maybe this wasn't just for me this time so um I sent it off I had a big long agent query list and my agent was actually at the top of the list she was my dream agent and I still can't believe that I uh I wound up with her I'm very lucky and from there we polished it up and sent it out to publishers um we actually were ready to start querying in March 2020 which is a great time to start querying because (laughs) that's when COVID hit and the publishing world went into chaos so um (laughs) we started sending it out and then changed our minds and emailed a bunch of agents and editors and we're like um maybe not right now maybe you don't need this on your table right now and everyone's like yeah that's a good call so we held off for a while and uh, sent it back out again and Little Island Books got back to me and said that they loved it and they would be delighted to publish it which is great because I love their books and I'm so happy and then they're an Irish publisher and they you know it couldn't have worked out better I'm I'm just absolutely chuffed so from starting starting off writing when I was when I was tiny and then writing about being homesick it's really really nice to have something like this to show for us and uh, I get it. A dedicated kind of thing for all the things that I, I love you know my siblings and Canada and everything like this little little package and um, with a werewolf on the front <laughs> kind of cool. It is kind of cool and you know
0: what the book is more than just a little kind of cool it's very cool it gave me such Thank vibes you. and now I hear you talking about your siblings there that very much comes across because at the forefront of Big Bad Me is really it's Evie and Kate. Uh, and they're, they're sort of like their story very much tied together with these very strong sisterly bonds. Um, now, for everyone who's listening to this going, OK, I'm hearing werewolves, I'm hearing vampires. What, what What is this book? What's it about? Do you want to tell, like, give a little bit of a sort of a back cover bio, a bit of a synopsis for anyone listening who's going like, tell me more?
1: Yeah, sure. So Big Bad Me is, as I said, Evie, who's a werewolf um and Kate who's kind of a monster hunter Evie has no idea she's a werewolf because Kate has been hiding it from her her entire life Kate and her mom have been um slipping her anti-werewolf medication and Kate gets up in the middle of the night and battles Evie in her monster form and then has to like stick her back into bed get back into bed herself get up in the morning for school like nothing's ever happened and that's just kind of their life so Kate is exhausted and maxed out and this this badass really huge heart. She absolutely loves her sister. And Evie's completely, like, perfectly happy in her life. <laughs> has no idea of any of the weirdness that's going on. um Until she's attacked in her house by something big and terrifying, and Kate has to come to the rescue. And they head off to this little town called Brightside, which Kate thinks is going to be, like, the nicest place in the world to lie low, and turns out to be complete creepy murder central. And um, with all these animal attacks and missing teenagers, which sucks, because the another reason Kate brought them there is that their mom has gone missing, which is something else Evie doesn't realise because Kate does not like stressing Evie out. Probably for obvious reasons, you don't want to stress a werewolf out. But also because she's the big sister and she feels like she has to protect her all the time anyway. Um, so the mom's gone missing and the last time she was spotted was in Brightside. Um, so they wound up there, find out there's all these gruesome murders and suddenly their missing mom seems a lot more worrying than uh, maybe Kate had thought before. And... Um, and they, they go and stay in this guest house where there's a, a guy called Kevin who's kind of this dorky hot uh, teenage manager. And uh, I know that being a teenager is kind of a young age to be managing a guest house. So <laughs> it might be a bit of a hint that there's something weird with him as well. But he takes a bit of an interest in Evie and her werewolf abilities. and And Kate takes very much against Kevin for all of his interest in Evie. Uh, so it was a fun dynamic to write that. Uh, and it's told from the two perspectives. It's told from the point of view of Kate and the point of view of Evie. So you get to see Kate holding all these secrets from Evie and, uh, and her intense dislike of this weird dorky guy who's, you know, wanting to hang around his, his, her sister. And then Evie going from blissfully unaware to realising she has these werewolf superpowers and initially being terrified of them. And then kind of going, actually... Maybe this is sort of fun, and um, maybe I like hanging out with the dorky guy um, who gives me belly butterflies, and 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 yeah, maybe I'm okay with all of this. And um, you see the the contrast between the two and the whole way through. So they're best friends and they love each other, but they butt heads all the time, like sisters do. They they constantly want different things and they're trying to achieve different things. Um, so they're, they're almost the antagonists in each other's story, despite the fact that they, they love each other more than anything and all they're trying to do is protect each other.
0: Yeah, that contrast was really nice, actually, reading it, because dual POV, sometimes you worry sometimes uh, about slipping into a, a sort of same voiciness. But Kate and Evie definitely had their very much, you could almost hear the difference in, in the tone of the way they spoke, their, their motivations, the goals. Um, Kate is very much exuding big sister vibes even through everything everything she does it's almost very much just like that bigger picture Evie I guess yeah. being being the younger one you do she has a little bit more of a, I guess a, a central focus in herself like oh what's going yeah. on with me 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 not selfish in in that regard, but just I guess it's that naivety and it comes through the writing lovely but interesting <laughs> there obviously you said that you had those feelings of writing from homesickness but the dual POV very much is the glue that holds the, the narrative together. So it makes me wonder, did you start writing it from like one point of view and then bring in the other sister? Or was it like straight from the beginning, dual POV? You know, I'm just interested.
1: No, well, it was initially, it was just Evie who was actually called Emily at the time. Um, and first of all, it was Evie and a uh, big brother, Jack, who I'd i been watching. Uh, I It was kind of inspired by both but I've been watching a lot of Supernatural at the time as well. So Jack was really fun to write because he was basically Dean Winchester, um, who, you know, is sort of cocky and flirty and really arrogant, but like with like, like the soft side where he doesn't really know what he's doing. So I really, really wanted to create a character like that and I loved him. But when I came back to it, I thought, well, you know, I over the course of the book I'd already developed a, a nice brother-sister story um, somewhere else. And I'd also made Jack a scientist and Evie completely um, oblivious of all things science, really, really bad at it, which she has to be because if she knew anything, she would have figured it all out straight away because nothing that they say to her makes sense. They just use a lot of big science words. Um, and I just realized I'd accidentally played into that trope of the you know girls being terrible at science and the boys being really good at it. Um, and because I already had the dynamic, uh, of the other the other brother sister relationship I thought maybe I could do two sisters and it would be it would be less of a problem and it might be more fun to write so very very reluctantly I got rid of Jack um, and I came up with Kate who was actually slightly initially inspired by um, you know Gillian Holtzman from the Ghostbusters reboot uh, Kate McKinnon's character in yeah. The, the Ghostbusters reboot with all the girls where there are all these girly STEM like scientists, Kate McKinnon's character in that, uh, I just absolutely loved her. So initially I thought I was going to go with someone like that so I called her Kate but she evolved into this completely different character um, very different from Jack and very different from Gillian Holtzman um, who's kind of sweet but really tough as well and I had a very strong idea almost straight away of who she would have been if she didn't have to have werewolf little sister under control all the time and she didn't have to be the big protector she'd probably be you know kind of an artist and hanging out listening to music and and be able to be much softer than she actually is um and i wanted that to come through a lot so after i created Kate i still didn't think it would be dual point of view because it it had always been Evie's story and it was only when i'd written the first uh the end of the second chapter uh, so the first three chapters, because there's a little furlough, um, where Evie has been attacked and she's lying unconscious on the ground and there's a monster in the hallway and Kate's standing there. What, what I was planning to do was then skip to Evie waking up in the car like she had in the original um, on the way to Brightside already and going, what's going on? But as I finished that chapter and started the next chapter, Kate's voice popped into my head, <laughs> just giving me the next line. And it was just Kate freaking out because she seems so together. And I really liked the idea of seeing Kate go from being this badass to being, oh no, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And that that's kind of the dual intro that you have for Kate from Evie's point of view and then from her own point of view. And I loved it. I was like, yeah, no, no. Okay, tell me what you do next. Let's see how Kate cleans up the mess before they get on the road. Um, and it took a lot of work then to change the story around because you know it was all Evie centric and Kate's chapters came sort of organically. It made sense to split them up more than they, I had in the original, um, but it was a lot of work to, to get her voice uh, separate from Evie's, um, which I'm very happy to hear you say I did that well, because that, that was a lot of work because initially, because the, the chapters that I was rewriting were written in that voice, it was hard to to pull them out and find a different way of of telling them. But I think thinking of Kate as kind of sweet, but stressed out and funny still, but in a much sort of more world weary, drier way um, than Evie, who's just bouncy and quippy and constantly, um, constantly thinking of ridiculous, like her brain's always on and Kate's brain is always on, but it's always trying to think of different ways to protect people and, and, um, all the dangers they might face. So her sarcasm or her, her humour is a lot more pointed, I think. She, she's, she's got a sharper tongue.
0: No, I was going to say, there's some serious reworking then, uh, as far as that then, I and mean, because obviously just completely losing character. They say you have to kill your darlings to find the right yeah. book and stuff like that, you know, losing Jack to become Kate. Uh, and... The the idea of you having to like span it from, you know, I think for most people writing a book is done daunting, but then having to completely sort of tear apart and sort of like stitch it back together, almost Frankenstein-esque. <laughs> um, has me also wondering about potentially maybe some of the other influences that went into the rewrite. Obviously, writing it back in probably the early noughties originally with the the first werewolf vampire craze. Mm-hmm. And rewriting it now. Did you go back in any change any of the sort of like the tone of, of of maybe say like the ambience and sort of the town? As we've had more sort of modern takes on sort of like, you know, sort of eerie. I know it's Canadian, but that's sort of Americana, sort of like, you know, uh Stranger Things, Riverdale sort of vibes to it. Was there any reworking of the sort of the background?
1: I I didn't intentionally um work in Riverdale or Stranger Things, but funnily enough, I was writing it um initially. Right after my uh, I was rewriting it right after my my youngest daughter had been born. So there were a lot of late nights when I was up with her and trying to get her to nap. And I did actually binge Riverdale. So I was up late at night watching Riverdale with her and then getting up in the morning to write. So I'm I would absolutely believe that that all seeped into us. Um, I think I binged the first three seasons of Riverdale so <laughs> this is, there's probably um there's probably no way it didn't influence me um, but I it wasn't intentional Stranger Things I definitely when I watched Stranger Things I definitely remember watching it going oh this really reminds me of my story and I didn't again I didn't really play into it on purpose but I was really happy to see it and the, and the kids the kids now reference Stranger Things in it and um, so I was, I was aware of the the sort of similarities I think one thing that changed is probably that the kids are more self-aware these days. My characters are more self-aware than they were back in the in the original version, um, because I kind of, you know, how *Scream* took all the old slasher movies and made a slasher movie, but they were all very self-aware and they 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 knew they were in a slasher movie, but it didn't. It wasn't a parody. It was a it was kind of an homage. So I don't know if this is specifically an homage to those early movies, uh, those early books, but it's definitely, it's definitely more self-aware. I'm more aware of the tropes that I was writing than I, than I was back then. And the kids comment on these things and they have these comparisons to make. So it's, it's a little bit, a little bit Scream influenced, although it's not a slasher story, but it's kind of, kind of, I guess my take on my version of Scream for the, for the early noughties um, paranormal stories
0: that makes sense oh yeah yeah i see where you're coming from that yeah i I like it but it's got a more sort of modern touch to it and it has i must admit you said earlier you were very happy to land with little island because i'd say what they have done a top notch production of this because i mean i got e-copy uh but oh my god the, the the claw marks on the pages and the blood stains and that cover it looks like a movie poster it looks fantastic what's it been like working with them
1: it's been absolutely amazing. I mean, because Little Island are an indie publisher and and they're small. I think every book feels like a priority. They they only do a few titles every year. So you feel like a top priority. And I think every every book does. And it's really hands-on. And I was I was absolutely shocked by the amount of uh the amount of care that was given to my story. Um and the, the cover was just Honestly, like when they sent me the the proofs for the cover or the roughs, I, I kind of burst into tears because I'd had this idea in my head of like, this is what I would love for my cover, and I was looking at the covers that were out there. And I said, "Well, I'm not going to get that. I'll get this, and that'll be nice instead." Um, and then they sent it to me, and it was like they just reached into my head and, and grabbed my idea. Yeah, uh, I've got so so lucky with the cover artist Jonathan McFern. He was amazing, and. Um, there's a bit of back and forth in terms of what the characters should look like and that sort of thing, but the style was spot on straight away. And any of the the little tweaks um, were listened to completely and uh, it got back really, really fast on things. So that was wonderful. And then when it came to the, the claw marks and the other bits and pieces in the story, um, again, I'd kind of had in my head, that would be cool. And they came back and suggested it. And then once they suggested it, I had ideas for for how to play around with it. So all of it was really collaborative. Um, I feel like I had a lot more say in my cover although it was perfect to start with <laughs> um, and in the design than, than maybe you would have with a with a bigger publisher um, so I've absolutely loved it it been really wonderful
0: well the fantastic. book the book is wonderful it is fantastic like I said it's coming out 3rd of October which due to the the magic of podcasts should be out now so you can go and check it out Uh, From Little Island, go find your friendly local bookshop or you know, uh, online, Waterstones, etc., wherever you find good books to grab them. Um, Ashton, this has been absolutely fantastic, but we are quickly getting towards the end of today's interview. But uh, I don't want to go anywhere until we offer the lovely listeners a chance of winning a copy of this fantastic book with our competition. Yes, it's competition time, lovely listeners. Um, all you have to do, if you want to try and get a copy of this amazing book, if this sounds just your sort of thing, head over to our Twitter. That's at Big Kids Book Club. That's all one long, lovely word. There you're going to be retweeting and liking our competition post with the hashtag Wolf Comp. That's hashtag Wolf Comp. Uh, and we always have a quizzy question because then it's better than just retweeting and liking. This one is, if you could have any power when it hits a full moon what power would you have? It could be a supernatural one, it could be a completely random one, but when, you know, like with all werewolves in that old-style timey sort of tradition, the full moon rises and boom, you've suddenly got crazy superpowers. Ashley, is there anything particular you would love to have on a full moon?
1: Yeah, um, well I talked about how much I miss my siblings and they're all over the world in uh, America, well, in america and glasgow my parents don't live very close to me so i'd have teleportation i could go visit them once a full moon that would be great that
0: is solid yes full moon also because it's a full moon you can plot you can plan when i'm going to come and visit exactly yeah oh that's very clever i absolutely i was going to say I feel a bit guilty now because I obviously I, I always put this back on myself and I wonder what I want. I said I would love to on a full moon basically have until the full moon ended I'd be able to eat anything I wanted and it wouldn't count. Oh, I wouldn't, no calories no too, nothing but... just I could go <laughs> completely gluttonous on a full moon and then I'd wake up in the morning when the full moon like is gone and i would be like ah nothing. Oh
1: yeah. Now that 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 will
0: actually be excellent too. But your, yours is a lot more like I'm to see my family. I'd like to eat more.
1: <laughs> Zoom exists. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but that's just that's just what me and Ashlyn think. What do you think? Give us your best superpowers for your full moon transformation at hashtag wolfcomp. And one of you lucky listeners, we're gonna pick you out. You're gonna win a copy of the book. How's it sound, Ashlyn? That sounds wonderful. Can't
1: wait to hear what people say
0: absolutely and this has been wonderful but it is time to say goodbye so before we go ashley do you want to tell the lovely listeners where they can find out more about you and your books do you have some social media or a website they can go to
1: yeah um you can find me on twitter i'm at ashley Lockie, a-s-h-i-l-o-c-k-i-e um or on instagram at Ashling a lot on rights uh, underscores in between the words and tiktok at Ashling a lot on rights as well same as on instagram um And I don't have a website, but I should really get on that.
0: (laughs) Well, it's been lovely, Ashley, to speak to you either way. I hope everyone goes and checks out the book. And it's perfect for this autumnal season now.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Marcus
0: and to you lovely listeners we hope you've enjoyed today's show don't forget you can head over to our twitter to join that amazing competition but you can also find out more about us and our show at our website that's bigkidsbookclub.com there you'll find additional reviews previews and now over 170 episodes of the podcast we are growing and there's loads to enjoy if you're just finding us but that is all the time we have for this week so until next time all i can say for you is to stay safe to take care but most importantly to keep on reading